Hello, it's Friday the 26th of January. I'm Alex von Tunzelman and I don't need your civil war. Oh, oh no, 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 no. <laughs> Welcome back to Paper Cuts, the modern newspaper review. Every weekday we collect together all the news, chop it finely, mix it in a big wooden bowl, drizzle over some sassy dressing and serve up a nutritious and delicious news salad for your listening delight. Stay on top of the news with us five days a week. Hit subscribe on your podcast app so you never miss an episode. Now, here are the headlines for today's show. I'm 100% faithful. Everyone's talking about traitors and so are we. Someone drop a house on her already. Court freezes 75 million quid's worth of stuff Michelle Moan has bought herself. And we'll throw this one to Gronya. And you may win an Oscar, but don't start getting notions. Oppenheimer star (laughs) Gillian Murphy's parents are the most Irish parents ever. (laughs) Welcome to Paper Cuts. We read the papers so you don't have to. Thanks for joining us on Paper Cuts, where we're trying not to look at America because it's too scary. I'm Alex von Tanzelman, and with me today is journalist and potential Civil War hostage, John Ellidge. Hello, John. Hostage is actually an improvement. I was thinking cannon fodder last time, so yeah. <laughs> and also joining us is comedian and one of those damn Yankees, Gronya Maguire. Hi, Gronya. It's not about whether you're faithful, it's whether you're a good faithful. I see. I have We're so, much, have so much fun explaining this to Alex. <laughs> <laughs> so, before we explain that to Alex, what do we have on the front pages today, John? Yes, let's start with the news, shall we, on our news ah, podcast. The news. The I, Labour's tax trap. Starmer warned he must reverse Tory tax cuts or squeeze UK public services. It's funny how rarely the I comes up in the headline section of this it show, just, isn't it? It just sort of, I kind of admire it for just doing these worthy, important stories that we completely ignore every day. Yeah, I mean, that's that's the whole story in the headline. Basically, former Blair ministers are warning Starmer like he can't just accept everything Jeremy Hunt says in the budget because the country is falling to bits. <laughs> and if the, if the Tories announce that they're going to cut taxes again, then Labour might need to be grown-ups about this. Um, but we're not going to talk about that today. Yeah, we're going to have fun. Yep. Um, but not yet, because The Guardian has EU plan to stockpile drugs, quote, will worsen UK shortages. Oh. That's fairly self-explanatory. Telegraph and Times both lead on the same story. Uh, Telegraph, is this is a quote, he has got away with murder. Uh, this is the news. Uh, there's a 32-year-old man who stabbed two 19-year-olds and a 65-year-old in Nottingham back in June mm. uh, has been sentenced and will be detained at a high-security hospital after admitting manslaughter on the grounds of diminished responsibility. Mm. And the Times has, police chief has, quote, blood on his hands over stabbing. That relates to the fact that even before any of this, he'd been diagnosed with paranoid schizophrenia uh, and the mother of one of the victims has said true justice has not been served. She feels let down by the police and the Crown Prosecution Service and she's accused the Assistant Chief Constable of Nottinghamshire Police of having blood on his hands. Yeah, very sad story that um, and I think it will be sent for review is the, use that sentence, won't it? So mm, Seems likely. Yeah, so we'll see what happens there. Um, Gronia, how about the tabloids? Uh, the Daily Mirror also covering that uh, story from Nottingham. The headline is, Nottingham Family's Fury, They Were Failed. Mm. Uh, the Sun leading with poor old Bill Roach. He hasn't done his tax return properly, apparently. Whoops. Uh, headline, Soap Stars Tax Hell Revealed. Cory Bill, 91, facing bankruptcy. Right. So this is Ken Barlow from Coronation this Street. Is, is that poor right? old Ken. And everybody who's doing their self-assessment this week, shaking <laughs> in their boots reading this. Yes. Who's Not... still doing their self-assessment at this point? Oh, I think quite a few cool people. Cool people. Yeah. <laughs> 
Did mine in May. <laughs> oh, you smug bastard. Right. Uh, the Daily Mail, they're leading with the, the terrible story of a the aristocrat and her lover who went on the run carrying newborn baby in a little bag for life. And if you you know, find the story really horrific and very sad, but want to find out more, don't worry. The Daily Mail have just launched their own podcast about it, oh which God. they're also leading with. The trial go much deeper than the headline with a new series of our acclaimed podcast. So, yeah, so you turn to the pages and there's a full page advert for this uh, this podcast. Um, uh, they're obviously pushing this quite hard and around a rather sad story as far as I can see it. Why does everything need to be a podcast these days? I mean, we may well ask. <laughs> and then the Daily Star, up yours. As military top brass call for a citizen's army to face down Mad Vlad, 90% of us say we'd refuse to fight. And there's a big image of Lord Kitchener pointing out from the front page, just looking very let down. Right. Yes. Well, he wouldn't like us at all, would he, really? But yes, this is the story, of course, uh, that keeps being trailed that um, we might go to war with Russia and therefore uh, need to recruit more people to the army. I mean, I think all this talk of conscription is really just to scare us into saying, fine, the army can have more money. I, but I think I think anybody who's done, you know, uh, a fitness boot camp, like a Barry's army, I think if they're conscripted, they should have to join up. I mean, you'll want them first. You won't want me. I'm rubbish. <laughs> <laughs> you, you can't have one without the other. If you, you know, ran through some car tyres at eight o'clock on a Saturday morning, sorry, that's it. You're part of Barry's army now. Yeah, you've only got yourself to blame. You made the choice. Um, I also just want to catch up on a story that, I mean, it, it kind of creeps onto a couple of the front pages, I think, uh, about the Nicola Sturgeon messages yesterday. Um, so there was sort of, you know, a big splashy story that apparently she called Boris Johnson a, quote, fucking clown. Um, I think many of us probably did. Um, but there were also a load of fake ones going around, weren't there, John? So I found out the hard way. <laughs> uh, a, a friend sent me uh, a tweet by someone called Politico for You, which I misread as Politics for You, which is obviously an aggregation uh, site, mm. uh, which had some fantastic quotes in there. Uh, apparently, uh, Sturgeon described Matt Hancock as weaker than nuns piss. <laughs> Liz Truss, about as much use as a marzipan dildo. Amazing. <laughs> um, and it turned out Nicola Sturgeon did not, in fact, say any of these oh. things, which I found out after doing quite a smug quote tweet on it, going like, well, the problem uh, the problem they've got is that like this is actually what a lot of people think, actually. <laughs> and all the right-wing press is doing in this way is spreading those quotes. And I, I tweeted that and didn't look at my phone for an hour and came back to the entire internet calling me a moron. Oh, <laughs> oh that'll happen. Mm. Well. I do think this is a, a problem with this kind of story, though. Like, you know, always get these journalists from like, the sun or, you know, the, the mail or whatever, trying to create outrage about the fact that, you know, some politician from another party has been mean about the Tories. And firstly, like, you can scare the shit out of Labour or the Lib Dems. The SNP don't care. Mm. Like, they, like, they are not going to be upset by, like, London journalists having a go at them. And secondly, they've got the problem that, like, this is just what people think of the Tories now. Like, mm. actually, this is going to be resonating with quite a large bit of the public. Mm. So, like, I don't know where they think the outrage is meant to come from. It is mad, though, that it was so immediately believable that nobody was like, hang on a sec, this is a little bit odd. People were like, yeah, 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 that's scans. Like, that is. <laughs> I mean, I thought they were pretty funny. Like, yeah. I was quite impressed. Yeah. You know? <laughs> 
Now, unfortunately, I live under a rock and haven't watched the reality show Traitors, but the rest of you certainly seem to have because it's all you're talking about. Gronya. Can you explain this show to me as if I were a child? Okay, well, so Claudia Winkleman has this amazing house in Scotland and every year she invites a load of idiots there (laughs) and they think they've got superhuman powers where they're able to tell somebody's lying even though nobody can and then every episode there's a boring task that nobody pays any attention to and then they have to vote out who they think is the traitor and then... The traitors then, at the end of every episode, murder one of the contestants. But not actually murder them. Not actually. I mean, they'll probably do that when the format starts getting tired. <laughs> yeah, 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 ramp it up a bit. So it's like one of those sort of dinner party murder mystery games, but just like amped it's, up. It's incredibly compelling. Like, I'm not a reality TV guy at all but I got so into the first season was genuinely excited for this one and it's just so well kind of like structured and edited like there are kind of like there are redemption arcs there are big twists there's like people have secret relationships it's fantastic okay so I'm gonna have to watch this is what we're saying yeah but you have to watch from the beginning like you, you, there's no good going in at episode 12 it's like it's mm-hmm. like Breaking Bad or something you have to start at the, right, at the beginning yeah. we need the full lore yeah to go right no, in. The, the reason it's so fascinating is because like People go into this thinking they they have some kind of superhuman skill to spot a liar and just nobody can. <laughs> it's just like this amazing insight into the into, into mob behavior and why we're fucked. <laughs> but but like there's sometimes there's like there's someone who like gets it, who just can immediately spot the traitors and nobody fucking listens to them yeah, because they're not one of the charismatic people. And John, there was this great feature in The Guardian by Zoe Williams this week explaining how to spot a liar. Now I did enjoy this so much that I thought, okay, I'm going to have to go and watch Traitors. So what are what are the tells that she shares? So if you're lying, um, you're apparently more likely to indulge in things called self-soothing gestures, like rubbing your face. If you're trying to spot a, lawyer, it's, uh, a liar, it's good not to sound accusatory because that sort of ruins the signals that you'll receive in response. You kind of need to keep your emotion out of it and just ask for the facts. Uh, one of the bits I really enjoyed, someone talks about how like normally if you tell a story, it'll be like, you know, 30% set up 40% story and then 30% aftershock. Classic um, three-act structure. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I approve of that. We all lean into the three-act structure. Apparently, if someone is making it up, the run-up will go on for ages <gasps> and then you'll rush Ooh. through the other bits. Oh, that's a good uh, one. It's a, it's a genuinely fascinating feature, actually, just about all the... Like, uh, the, but, the but the conclusion, which kind of ties in with the, with the traitors thing, is like all the signals that somebody is lying are dependent on their own discomfort showing itself. It's not the lie itself. It's like the cognitive load of lying means you kind of cover for it by like touching yourself or just raise blood pressure. It's the same kind of thing that, you know, lie detectors detect. Mm. They're not actually detecting the lie. They're detecting the change in your blood pressure or whatever it is. Or skin. But yes, that realise that one Mm. of the reasons lie detectors work that well is that... 1% of the population yeah. are psychopaths. Yes. Who can just lie <laughs> and it doesn't change their physiology, uh, physiological reactions at all. Also, another 4% are described as antisocial, which means that for whatever reason, they have been in a situation where they've had to learn to lie. Uh, and you can't... None of these people have tells and they're all on the traitors. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I'm quite surprised it's only 1% of the population that are psychopaths. Because I've been in stuff like Tesco's before Christmas. It's like a lot more than 1%. 
being psychopaths <laughs> when there's a, down to the last few turkeys. Oh, so you've worked in academia, right? Yeah, oh, yeah. Like, <laughs> I'm just so grateful that we have this television in January when it's the bleakest time of the year. Mm. We need this. And then secondly, I want a whole spin-off of what Claudia is doing in the house when all these... Because it feels a little bit like she's just running this incredible house party while all this is going on. So I want like a spin-off of what she's doing while they're running around in lakes trying to get shields. Have you seen the American version? Not yet. Because that's hosted by Alan Cumming. And honestly, his version makes Claudia's look like it's not being camp. (laughs) (laughs) It's incredible. Now, talking of traitors, everyone's favourite pantomime villain, Michelle Moan, is back on the front pages today. Boo, hiss. John, what's the latest in the world of Lady Moan? So we have two stories today. Uh, Firstly, The Guardian reports that maybe she should never have been a peer in the first place. What? (laughs) Which I know is a thought we've all had. The difference this time is that this is being said by uh, someone who is actually a cabinet minister in the Cameron government, which appointed her in the first place. Mm. Uh, That's former Scotland Secretary David Mundell, who said that Cameron breached process when he appointed her by not consulting the Scotland office. Mm, Because they knew. Uh, Which is apparently (laughs) standard practice before you award peerages to Scots. I mean, I mean, thanks to David Mundell for speaking up on this a mere nine years late. Uh, but the, the story <laughs> the story contains some brilliant quotes from assorted Scottish businessmen who are angry that her business is rubbish <laughs> and theirs are better <laughs> and they should have got the peerage. So this is from um, Douglas Anderson, who is the uh, managing director of a Glasgow-based plant hire company called Gap Group. Awarding her a peerage for a very mediocre business performance brings the awarding of titles into disrespute by rewarding failure. Oh, Oh, right. I mean, they don't like her. Basically, what's going on there is like, let's be honest, lingerie is sexier than plant hire. Mm, (laughs) He's jealous. He's jealous. But mind you, also probably not entirely wrong. It's not wrong. (laughs) Anyway, the biggest story, I think, is the one in the Financial Times. They've uncovered a court order which freezes or restrains uh, assets worth £75 million. They're linked to either her or her husband, which it turns out is, despite what they say, the same thing. Mm. Um... This is uh, a standard procedure. Uh, the courts often ring fence assets so they can seize them if a conviction goes through. Uh, it doesn't necessarily mean that, that Moan and Barrowman, her husband, can't sell, but they have to put the resulting cash in an account where it can be got at. Yes, in the UK. Mm, in not, the UK. Not in some dodgy Yeah, it can't overseas. go to like, you know, Monaco or something. <laughs> uh, the FT has seen the court order, so it knows what it covers. It includes a six-bedroom townhouse in Belgravia, which they bought uh, for, in December 2020 for £9 million. Uh, Apparently, you'll be reassured to know this is an investment and development opportunity and not their primary residence. Right. And it's recently been on the market for £25 million, which is, even in the London property market, that's that's, That's quite a tidy an increase, profit on a nine million yeah, purchase. Right. Yeah. Uh, aside from that, there are nine properties in the affluent Park Circus area of Glasgow, owned for a company in the Isle of Man. No, I'm really jealous of that because Park Circus in Glasgow is literally my dream place to live. It is. Probably, in my mind, the most beautiful residential accommodation in the UK. She's got nine of them. Have you considered getting into the lingerie and, yeah. and poor quality PPE business? <laughs> totally. Looks like that's my bag. Uh, just to wrap us up, um, there's also a country estate on the Isle of Man and 15 accounts at banks, including Coots, Seahaw and Co and Goldman Sachs International. Mm. You know, there's this quote from her. Uh, she told the Sunday Times she was being treated like Pablo Escobar. And I just find it deeply unsettling when people that stupid are so rich. Mm. Like we've seen recently um, Vivek 
Ramaswamy, who's like a, a tech multi multi millionaire, and he's so aggressively stupid. And you just it just feels so unfair that it, like people like that seem to, I mean, this is quite philosophical, really, <laughs> just seem to prosper and do so well. I just think it's so egregious. I don't think anybody should have that much wealth. I mean, that should have set off a few alarm bells anyway. I think they're all quite stupid, aren't they? I mean, Elon Musk is the obvious one who's really... How did they do it? This is what I don't understand. I'm so bad at money and I've read Ulysses. <laughs> I've read Ulysses. I mean, you should get paid for that. This is because we've got a whole system set up wrong to reward these kind of grasping entrepreneurs rather than people like you, Gronya, who've read Ulysses. I mean, you should just get paid for that. <laughs> Here at Paper Cuts, we are headline connoisseurs. We select only the finest headlines to share with you. And sometimes when one does fall below our exceptionally high standards, we expect you, our listeners, to fix the headline. And today we found a story from the start about the fact rich people apparently are giving less and less money to charity. The headline, tight fat cats. Hmm, bit mid. Uh, we think you can do better. Send in your ideas with the hashtag FixTheHeadline to PaperCutsShow on threads or Twitter. We'll read out the best ones on Monday and the very best will win a PaperCuts t-shirt. We'll make you irresistible to all the people you fancy. So let's see if there's any inspo in today's papers. What have you got for us, John? So, page seven of The Sun uh, has the other big story of the day, which I don't think we're covering enough, really, which is that... Uh, Coronation Street veteran Bill Roach, who uh, fans will know, plays the character of Ken Barlow. I'm looking hopeful to check I've got that right. <laughs> um, he's go, been oh Ken, Ken, good old Ken, oh, Ken. Uh, he's been declared bankrupt for the second time. Uh, the first time is in 1999. Uh, this time, um, this is because he's formally been petitioned over tax arrears by HMRC. Oh, dear. Uh, anyway, the headline is Rover's tax return. Oh, and they put tax in brackets. Taxes in brackets. Just so that you get it. Just in case. Like, even I get Rover's return. Come on. Yeah, yeah. I mean, surely that's just in the cultural... I sometimes worry the sun doesn't think much of its readers, if I'm (laughs) honest. Over the page, the sun also has a story that the number of uh, couples, I think it means cohabiting couples, that are opting to get married uh, has dropped below half for the first time, according Mm. to figures from the... This story is on the uh, front page of the Times as well. Uh Yeah, big story. It's, I mean, I have strong views about this, which I'm going to keep off the podcast. Um, but anyway, the, he- the headline is, uh, oh, get knotted. Oh, it's quite aggressive. It sure. is quite aggressive. Wow, OK, that's us told. Yeah. yeah. And lastly, this is this is a proper story. Uh, music legend Dolly Parton is now a rising star in the world of cookery. Thanks she to, can do anything. She can do whatever she likes. Um, thanks to, oh, that sounded a bit dirty. Didn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, I didn't but know that about but myself. Can. There we go. Um, anyway, she's apparently rising in the world of cookery thanks to uh, her own range of cake mixes. Um, a story that's being run under the headline Dolly Mixture. Oh, oh, that's a good one. That's good. That's that sound. is good. That's genuinely good. Yeah, that's their winner today. Gronya, what have you got for us? You've got the star. Uh, the star are just having a great morning, I have to say, when it comes to headlines. So the story that most Brits will be too fat to fight Russia if World War Three kicks off. Headline is Flab's Army. <laughs> okay, that's pretty good. They should have had Dad's Bod Army. We're too fat to waddle into war with Vlad. 
That's what they've gone with. Cool. They really don't like us, do they? This is quite fat phobic. And then there's a picture of sort of, um, I'm not going to say overweight, maybe just a, a soldier in a, a badly fitted top. We don't know what his body shape is. And he his little tummy is, is peeking out and he looks quite sad. I mean, how thin do you need to be to operate a drone? Modern warfare is different. Listen, you're more likely to survive a long winter. It's going to be a long winter for all of us soon enough. Oh. Okay, come on, more headlines. Let's pick up this pace and cheer it up. <laughs> Can't believe the thing that made you lose it was my prediction of the end of the world. <laughs> uh, then again in the Daily Star, the story that a tiny ant could push lines to the brink of extinction, say, wait for it, boffins. Oh, boffins Bloody are boffins. Animal boffins. Animal boffins. Animal Best boffins. Kind. Headline is, lines, ant and death. Oh, ant and death. Sort of works. It's quite. It feels like quite a grim, like ITV2 drama, yeah. Anton Death. And then also in the Daily Star, a missing cat has been reunited with her owner after more than 10 years away. Let's be honest, they found a similar cat 10 yeah. years later. Yeah. Headline is... No! <laughs> yeah, the same Why cat are you ruining went it? on a little adventure, went on a gap year... And the headline gap decade. <laughs> I mean, headline is back for good. Oh, like the Daily Star, proud to love animals. <laughs> now turn to those glorious middle pages of the papers for a telling insight into the psyche of the British press. Yes, it's an endless cycle of toxic self-loathing projected outwards onto all of us. It's the featured sections. And Gronje, we begin today with Oscar nominee Killian Murphy, whose parents have had something to say about him in all the Irish papers. What's going on here? Yeah, so there was a delightful interview with Killian's parents where they gave a very Irish parent reaction to their son being nominated <laughs> for Best Actor and like Bucky's top tip to win. And their reaction is, is very underwhelmed. Right. They are just, well... Not impressed. They're just like, you know what? We have other children as well. (laughs) 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 Which one are you interviewing us about? They said, there are so many things happening in the world that we should be sensible about these things. And that's what he's saying himself as well. (laughs) (laughs) You You think you matter. Yeah. They said, you know, they're obviously very proud of him, but they've got other children as well. And this is a really lovely detail because they're they're getting quite, you know, sassy with their son. He said, this is from the dad, he said somewhere that we didn't bring him to the theatre when he was young. But he forgot that he had three younger siblings and that made it more difficult to go to plays. Do you think we're made of money? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> They're like, just, just you know, you know, you were brought up in Ireland in the 80s, so let's be realistic. <laughs> you were lucky you had chips. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, they were asked if they're going to go to the Oscars and they were like, no. They said, we might go to the BAFTAs because it's nearby. <laughs> <laughs> And when he comes home from the Oscars, we will make him a cake. Well, only if he wins. Oh, well, listen, and he'll have to share that cake. He's got three siblings. With his with his siblings. <laughs> and this, is, this is, again, a really gorgeous line. We don't like to, to make too much of a fuss about him. He's got a job like the sons and daughters of other people. And the difference, he gets a lot of publicity. <laughs> <laughs> don't go getting ahead of yourself. Yeah. He gets too much of attention as it is. Yeah. Don't be it's annoying just us. A job. 
it's just Killian. It's just a job. I think if Oppenheimer himself had had similar parents, maybe we wouldn't be in the situation we're in. (laughs) Another feature that caught my eye is in the Telegraph because they've gone in on the trashy Monaco royals and I love the trashy Monaco royals. Love children, ex-mistresses and an out-of-control wife. The accounts show a monarchy in freefall. The amusingly named Prince Albert is paying out hundreds of thousands of pounds to various unemployed family members, mistresses, love children, etc, etc. Now, John, you've looked at these weird little funny European microstates. What's the deal with Monaco? I have. It's it's a chapter in my upcoming book, A History of the World in 47 Borders. Ding! (laughs) So microstates in Europe tend to have a few things in common. They're often quite rocky and inaccessible, so it's not really been worth conquering them. Uh, but there's also a lot of path dependency in it. They're basically the bits that were just allowed to be to remain independent. Because let's be honest, if the French wanted Monaco, the French could fucking have Monaco. <laughs> there's nothing stopping them. I mean, it's um, basically a motorway intersection. It is. There's it's just like, it's it's a it's a depressing rocky village on the Mediterranean, like in this beautiful bit of Riviera. Bronya's Monaco making. Is I'm heartbroken. Bit. I'm je- in my head. Monaco is just this outdoor restaurant with Joan Collins and Roger Moore. <laughs> You know, and they're all just like saying, oh, where's Michael Winner? Yeah. Like, it's Michael Winner on the way. Have you ever been to South End? Mm-hmm. Monaco no. is basically South End with better looking <laughs> no. people. It, it, they're not even that much better looking. Mm. They're just richer. Mm. As far as I can tell, the only reason Monaco is there is like the prince or whatever rank he held at the time was wandering around the Congress of Vienna in 1814 and asked nicely if he could have his country back once once Napoleon's empire was broken up. And they were like, oh, he seems like a nice chap. <laughs> Where's the what? harm? Yes, I mean, what's, he's not, he's, he's not going to be invading anyone anytime soon, is he? Um, so, yeah, it's just that, and all of these microstates are like this. They're just kind of these weird sort of oddities that remain on the map because nobody's bothered to get rid of them. Mm. Well, I mean, I think for the French, this is entertainment, isn't it? I mean, the Grimaldis, the Monaco royal family, Monegasque royal family, please, that's the proper term, uh, basically all that is in the French tabloids, you know, it's Paris Match, etc., just fill their pages with these people. And I mean, of course, problem the French have got is that they decapitated all of their own royals, quite famously, in history. And then how do you fill a newspaper? Exactly. <laughs> what are you terrible. supposed to do? I think the France made such a big mistake because remember they got rid of their royal family they got rid of their royal family and famously their tourism industry was completely destroyed. I mean, exactly. Nobody goes to Paris no or France. France. Yeah. No, exactly. So, I mean, they, but they've got this little walled off bit, this intersection, Monaco, um, and it's just pure entertainment. That's, that's I guess... Worth the lack of taxes. This is okay. I've two. First of all, it breaks my heart because when I see Monaco, all I think of you little shits ruined Grace Kelly's career. Mm, That's all I think about. She was such a good actress, and she gave it up for that little car park. Yeah, but then (laughs) (laughs) it's so angry. I mean, it was a bad decision. Yeah, (laughs) but then I think maybe that is the future of royalty. That I, I think it dispenses with the attempt to have any sort of legitimacy. They're like, yeah, we're ridiculous celebrities, but we're tacky and we're fun. And they don't seem to, maybe they try, but they're not taken as seriously as the British royal family. So I think the British royal family could learn from the Monaco isn't, cousins. Isn't this what went wrong with, with Meghan and Harry, that like Meghan walked into the room understanding this that yeah. like at this point royal family is a form of celebrity and it's yeah. all a game and it turns out the Windsor family do not think that's what's no. going yeah. No, not at all. So is this ethical, do you think, treating these people as basically pets? Yes. Good. I mean, no, but at least they know that's the contract. It's like you're publicly owned 
famous people. Mm. And, you know, we you get to live in a castle and you get to have a ridiculous lifestyle. But the payoff is we get to know like the intimate details of your personal life. And that's how it works. And they're messy people because they've been indulged and they've never really had consequences. So they're interesting. They're So the like we're talking they're real housewives so the real yes. housewives of Monaco and I think that's a more like dignified way of viewing royalty than their magic people put on earth from God to rule over us <laughs> guys I've just had an idea that could make our fortune a season of celebrity traitors that's all royals <gasps> okay I would watch that and unlike that Harry would be the one you have to keep an eye out for. Okay, Alex, you don't understand, but that was a very good joke. <laughs> and that's the end of today's Paper Cuts. Thanks to John Elledge. Thank you. Thanks to Gronnie Maguire. I'll always be faithful. Oh, that sounds so nice to me because I haven't watched it yet. Join us in the Paper Cuts Supporters Club. Just £3 a month gets you ad-free episodes and extended editions with even more funny bits, plus Paper Cuts t-shirts and mugs. Head over to back.papercutsshow.com and follow the link in the show notes. I've been Alex von Tunzelman and you've been listening to Paper Cuts on a day when we have an update on those foul-mouthed parrots. They're set to undergo group therapy to deal with their potty mouths. About fucking time. See you next week. Paper Cuts was written and presented by Alex von Tundelman with Gronje Maguire and John Ellich. The producer was Liam Tate with assistance from Adam Wright. Audio production from me, Robin Leeburn. Music by Simon Williams. Socials by Jess Harpin. Design by Jim Parrott and original art by Modern Toss. Managing editor is Jacob Jarvis. Group editor Andrew Harrison and executive producer Martin Boytosh. Paper Cuts is a Podmasters production. Paper Cuts. 